Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Hero Call. I think, and gosh, we are excited to have this couple on the call tonight. 14 years building Isogenics, a $10 million business. My gosh, her statistics are going to astound you. What an extraordinary leader. Dr. Scott Peterson and Shauna Ekstrom on the call tonight. Their story is pretty phenomenal. I will, of course, let them tell it. Uh, Shauna has been with Isogenics for 14 years, about four or five years ago. She married Dr. Scott Peterson, a retired dentist and investor. And uh, since then, they've just gone on a tear, the two of them together, to build Isogenics even bigger. Shauna and Scott, are you with us? Yes, we are. Hi, Richard. Awesome. Hey, Scott. So um, let's get into it. Shauna, you got quite a story to tell. Goes back okay. prior. It goes back prior to 14 years ago because uh, you've been in network marketing before Isogenics. So tell us a little about a little bit about who you were and what you did prior to network marketing. Okay, I was a hairdresser. Actually, by the end of my career in hairdressing, it was 34 years total. I started at 16. Uh, I was in a hurry to grow up. So by the time I was 17, I'd already graduated from beauty school and had started a family at 18. So that was my career, full-time hairdressing. And I thought I absolutely loved it. I loved the camaraderie. And what a great place to have an education on network marketing, even though I didn't know that was to be many, many years later because it's a storytelling business and you certainly hear a lot of stories in the salon. But um, what that looked like for, for many years, like about uh, if you fast forward all the years that I did here in Utah, then we had moved up to this fabulous little town in, called Enumclaw, Washington at the base of Mount Rainier. I don't know if you all have ever been there, but it is a beautiful, you know, that you can see Mount Rainier right up the mountain and uh, it was a little quaint little town, a dairy farm town. And I had a, a small boutique that was upstairs in a, a building that was made in the 19, early 1900s. So you walk up the stairs, there was 28 stairs to be exact to get up to the little, uh, the railing at the top that was old mahogany and you go around the corner and we made that salon uh, just by painting the door red and calling it the red door salon. As a matter of fact, that red door is still there. <laughs> but um, I, of course, because of uh, eventually got to retire 
from that. But that, that's what my life looked like at the time. It was a private studio where people, you know, it was busy, it was fun. And um, it was, I worked, you know, 50 to 60 hour work week at that time. That's awesome. 28 steps behind the red doors. <laughs> and there's a book about that somewhere, isn't there? Yes, there is. Red Not door, quite, a, uh-huh. a book in it's the what making. Happened, what happened after the red door? <laughs> right. <laughs> <To be honest. laughs> okay, so yeah, I know exactly where you uh, did that for 34 years, uh, living in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I used to drive to Seattle a lot, drove right through there. So mm-hmm. um, then you got introduced to network marketing. So tell us that little story, Shauna. Who introduced you? Name is great. More importantly, what was your relationship to this person? And tell us exactly, I mean, to the degree that you remember, what they said and what was it about what they said that compelled you to look? You know, I remember exactly what it was. Um, It was a really good friend of mine, very good friend named Joni Brewer, and we used to go to garage sales together. We'd try to have a day off. Both of us had our own businesses. And I did her hair, so she'd drive about an hour and a half to get her hair done where I, at my salon. And our boys were friends. So very good friend. I trusted very much. And I thought she was crazy when she started telling me about this company that she was really excited about. Her husband had talked her into going to this home meeting where she had been introduced to a company called Rexall International. And when she started telling me about it, um, actually she was with me for the day. She was helping me with a, do hair for a wedding. And I said, oh, I don't do that, you know, because I, I always had this thing in my mind, that this preconceived idea that people that did that were weird. And so I couldn't believe that my friend, I couldn't believe she was wait, telling me wait about Wait a minute. It. What, what do you mean by weird? I want to know what you mean by weird. Well, what I mean is that so many times when you're in, in the salon, a hairdresser is, People come in and they're all excited about the newest and the greatest thing that they just found. And, and they will tell you all about it and just kind of, you know, they, they drove me crazy. And so I made a thing that told everybody that I just didn't do that. I didn't go to the home parties. I had this rule. Besides that, I didn't seem to have time. But I just found that, like one time I heard somebody that were fighting over me and the, they were in the waiting area of my salon and they were saying, well, I, I was the one that told her first. And so they were arguing <laughs> So I just said to myself, I will never do network marketing. (laughs) So here my friend is telling me about this idea that she she has. I'm like, oh, no. Like, I thought she drank the Kool-Aid. So I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do? And so I finally told her, look, at the end of the day, I'll listen to this tape. I'll just listen to it. And after listening to it, I thought, okay, I can do it. I can go to one meeting. I'll just do that, and it will probably shut her up. So I did. But during that meeting, I looked around, what if we could, the two of us could actually have time together, and what if this worked? I started to dream. It was that very first meeting. And I, said, I turned to her, and I thanked her, and I said, thank you for inviting me. Let's do this. And so we did. We, we got started with all the excitement, and we used to call each other up and just be goofy. You know, like I'd, I'd sign one of my clients up, and I'd call her up, and she'd be having a client at her she didn't have a salon. She had a, like a diet center. And I'd scream into the phone, and, and then I would say, Tag, you're it. And she would do the same thing back to me, and the clients, I'm sure, could hear us. But we, we just got, I would say, really silly and goofy over it because we could see that we were going to have a 
you know, more freedom. That's what it was really about. We started to dream. Yeah, it sounds like you found, uh, you found each other as running buddies, which I think is uh, just one of the most powerful distinctions that allows people to be successful in this business and turns what can be tragedy in, in terms of rejection into hysterics. Yeah, um, it was pretty hysterical. <laughs> and I'm sure we probably turned some people off because of our enthusiasm right at the beginning. You know, Richard, though, one thing I heard at that first meeting was a guy that said, make your strengths productive and your weaknesses irrelevant. And that's what really got me. I said, you know what, I can do this. I don't have time to go back to college and do another career. And, you know, I'm already doing what I do full time. But this I can fit into the pockets of my life. It made sense. And so at that time, how many hours a day, how many hours a week, how many, well, I guess you don't call them haircuts, but whatever you call them, how many of those did you do a day and a week? Well, I did uh, 50 to 60 hour work week. And sometimes it would be maybe 10, 12, it depended on what I did. I did a lot of hair color and cut. So maybe 12, 12 clients in a day because a lot of more colors as well as, as cuts. And, and it was just busy. It was an ongoing, busy, fun place to be. And you did fun. that, you'd, at the time that you joined Network Marketing, you'd been doing that, what, about 30 years? Um, or, or the time I quite. finished Network, about 25 when I moved to, to Washington yeah. State. Okay, and 25 so, years. Yeah. And what did that do to your body? Well, I was actually getting a really bad, I had a problem with my lower back. So that's what got me thinking, how many more years can I really do this, leaning over the shampoo ball and, you know, back and forth, the chiropractors were telling me, you know, this is not good, you know, standing all those hours. So that was really my problem. I was still enthused about making women feel good about themselves, but I I just really didn't know if I could continue up with the hours that I was doing. And also being a single mom mom by then after 31-year marriage, it it was what I did. It's what you do, you know. Okay, so you were a single mom by then too. All right, so mm-hmm. um, so tell us about, so you were in Rexall for a few years and then you moved on. To, tell us how you started. How did you get started in Rexall and like what did you do your first 90 days and how long were you there and, and okay. probably everybody wants to know why you left. So you could touch on that and then we'll get into isogenics. Okay, well, I was with Rexall with a full-on recruiting mode. For I recruited about 50 people in the first three years. And I got in that time to about $3,000 a month. And, and I was still – there was a situation that I, I felt it was an unethical environment, and I just really couldn't tolerate it anymore after three years. Um, but so I started looking, and uh, some of the things that I just could not look the other way anymore. So, but you know what? I had had I'd been bitten by the dream or the bug, whatever you want to call it. That once you've really seen that it can work, I needed to find a place that was a better. And so that's when I found um, it was literally from the first time I was introduced to it. It took five years to find Isogenics. And it turned out to be a really good fit for me being that I was in a salon still with a very busy clientele of about, you know, over, you know, rotating clients, about 300 clients. So it's a pretty good place to start, right, with the people who know you, like you, and trust you. And I knew all their stories. So 
when I found isogenics, yeah. it was a whole different. I, I had experience. I knew that this could work. You know, the, I think one of the beautiful things about being a hairstylist is you learn to listen um, yeah. because what your clients want to do is they want to they want to tell you all their stories and all their gossip and all their challenges and all their secrets and. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't let them do that because you're talking about all your stuff, they probably won't really endear uh, you as their salon person. So that probably uh, made you a lot of money. Being a hairstylist taught you how to listen. And then, like you said, you had how many clients did you have when you I think it was about made- 300. 300 clients. Yeah. And you know, so, I, I think that's absolutely true about the listening part. When I was very young, when I first started at 16 and graduated in beauty school at 17, I was very shy at that time. And I found that by just asking them questions, I get them talking and then I could concentrate. As long as they could talk, I could concentrate on how to do their hair. And so that's how I kind of grew into listening. And I do think it's a great uh, proving ground for network marketing because you do need to listen and you find out all of their stresses, the people who are happy with what they do, the people that are struggling with their finances or their bodies or whatever it is, or their kids, you know. It's just a, it's right. a really good field. So then tell us about your launch in Isogenics. Like, tell us about your first 90 days, those crucial first three months, coming out of the box, coming out fast, coming out strong. Well, what did I was, you do? How did you do it? I did it fast. Uh, in the first, actually, in about the first 90 days, I put in about 50 people. Super excited. I was just like, okay, I get this. By then, I knew it was good. I think a fast start is an easy start. A slow start, very difficult or almost impossible. So to me, it was like go, and and I did. And so within that, that organization had grown. I mean, like much faster than it had in the first, you know, the first go round when I didn't really know what I was doing. So. Um, by year four, the organization had grown to about 12,000 people. And, um, it's, it, you know, it just continued to grow. It was just after, in the first 120 people in the very first year. So it started with 50 people in the first 90 days and then 120 in the first year. So, so that's how many you personally sponsored? Yeah, that I personally so sponsored. 120 by the end of your first year. And then what was the size of your organization at the end of your four-year career? Um, at the, like, let's see, it, my best guess is about 15%, you know, like 15% of 1,800 people are distributors. So it would be actually business builders. So they're all yep. considered, you know, um, associates or distributors. So 15% of that. So uh, it had grown to about 12,000 people at that time. Wow. That's so, and it was awesome. Close- Mm-hmm. And that, and how much were you earning at the end of your fourth year? Right Were you transitioned to go full time? Okay, it was about fifteen thousand a month, and that's right around the time four and a half years in, I sold my salon. And you were, time. So you I, were making you were making ten or fifteen grand a month, and you were still cutting hair. Yeah, I was. You know, I, I wasn't willing to quite give that up. I had a teenage son at the time and grown kids, and my first grandchild was born. So I thought, you know, I've got to be safe here. <laughs> so yeah, and, and it was growing. I had, well, one of my secrets was I put another hairdresser in. She did my hair, I did hers. And so I sort of made her come along with me. So there you go. You're getting duplicate. You got 
300 of my clients and 300 of hers, and it starts to get crazy, starts to get fun. Yeah. You know, one of the things you're speaking to, Shauna, is um, we teach in Bliss Business a concept called leapfrogging, which is basically asking a prospect, who do you know, not that might be interested, but who do you know that is A, and then we ask about occupations, and the occupations that I teach people to ask about are occupations like yours, where there's an authority figure that has a place of business, and they have traffic, they have clients, they have built-in clients. So, you know, people out there are thinking, well, gosh, you know, she sponsored 50 people in her first 90 days. How'd she do that? Well, she had 300 clients, 300 people she'd been listening to for for 30 years. Uh, and, you know, that's how you get 50 people in your first 90 days. But then you just said something really powerful there, Shauna. You doubled that by sponsoring somebody who also had 300 clients. So whether it's a hair salon or a chiropractor or a naturopath, or a weight loss clinic, or a personal trainer, or a yoga instructor. Think about, folks, those people that you know in those occupations. And when you put somebody in the business, ask them about people that they, that they know in those occupations. Because when those people get on fire about a product, it's a little easier for them to penetrate their marketplace than it is for, you know, a plumber or you know, uh, somebody who's working 12 hours a day in an office or maybe even a, a mom that's got three kids she's chasing around all the time. That's a way to really catapult your success. So I imagine you've got hundreds, if not thousands, of salon owners in your organization now. Ten years after you went full-time, Shauna, like you got 14 years, about 14 years in isogenics now so 10 years after you've gone full-time you were at 12,000 people at the end of four years where are you now 10 years after the 12,000 about 250,000 250, distributors that are you know actually product users of course you know that mean and then it, again yeah. about 15 percent of those are actually literally sharing at some capacity so that would be approximately 37,500 people who are really sharing it, some at a very high level and others at, you know, sharing it with a few of their friends and neighbors. So, yeah, that's a, it's crazy. The numbers just is, you know, and guess what? I don't know all those people, <laughs> but I love them. You don't know 99% of them. <laughs> they know you. They know you. It's been fun. And, you know, one of the things that also happened was being patient enough to that first friend, Joni Brewer, uh, stayed behind and in that other company quite a bit longer, a couple of years as a matter of fact. But by not pushing and waiting till the timing was right, she actually joined me a couple of years later. And so definitely wow. that's always a big plus when someone who is a seasoned networker who also knows a lot of people comes into your organization yeah. and then it really, talk about leapfrog, it's, it's very exciting and that happened yeah. as well. I have met Joni. She is a, she is a superstar in her own right. Mm -hmm. And uh, very fortunate of you to have her on your team. Uh, tell us some stories, Shauna. So, you know, you've sponsored a lot of people in 14 years. Can you pick out 
two or three short stories and tell us somebody you sponsored, how you met them or knew them, what they did for a living, where they lived, how you approached them, what their response was when you approached them, because most people, my experiences, say no mm-hmm. initially. And then, you know, pick a couple of people that are incredible stories, maybe because of where they came from, but also okay. because of what they've accomplished. Have you got some favorites you can tell us about? Well, yes, I have so many favorites, but I'm going to tell you about two that are near and dear to my heart. Number one, <laughs> my daughter, she was absolutely never going to do network marketing. No, 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 because she had seen me, you know, get so silly crazy about it from, you know, a few years before. And she had put herself through college and she was working and she thought this is, you know, network marketing was crazy. So the first, in the very first month, I, I wanted to put her in the organization. And she's like, mom, I will never do network marketing. I said, just give me your social security number. I'm your mom. So she did, and I was able to just keep that going. You know, I placed her in my business, and five years later, I mean, she wasn't even taking the products, but five years later, she used the product, also had a great product story, and said, I want to join you in the business. And I said, why? I mean, what? you know, I'd totally been okay with her not doing it at that point. Even though I was making good money by then, I was like, okay, she's my kid. She doesn't have to do what I do. But she said, because of who you're being, and she had seen such a, you know, a calming come into it when you really understand that this is really a business. You don't have to recruit the world. And she asked me if she could do it. And that was, and now she is, you know, she's earned over a million dollars in the company. And wow. has her, and she's grown into such a, an amazing mom who, in her old career, which is she's an artist, she would not have had the time to take her kids to private schools, pick them up, take them. They would have had babysitters. So my three, that's one of my favorite stories, but I'll quickly tell you my next favorite story um, is that I, um, four years ago, I met uh, Scott Peterson, and he was introduced by my, <laughs> he's my now husband. But anyway, I, introduced, I was introduced by my uh, financial planner. They were business partners in a business venture for helping dentists be found on the Internet. And so I told him about what I did and he wanted me to hire him to help on the internet marketing side of it because I'm not really computer savvy and he was and I you know he wanted me to be a like he was looking for a, another client to be you know that I would pay him maybe two thousand dollars a month and he could help me be found on the internet I'm like well you know so I introduced him to the product and uh, he had a fantastic you know result on the story so around the product so he said I'm not going to do the business, but, you know, and I said, well, that would be okay if you don't do the business, but, you know, if you have great results, it can come to you in the back door. So would you like to uh, just let me have the referrals? I'd be happy to take them if that happened. And he said, no, no. <laughs> so he said, no. Oh, uh, God's so not going to leave any money up. on the table. Yeah. So I signed him up, and um, it was a very short period of time later. I mean, we started dating when the first month, and so I guess that was my recruit. I also recruited him, and he's now my husband. So and we now, for four for the last, well, we've been married two and a half years. He retired from dentistry because of network marketing. He realized that he fell in love with this whole process as well, and he is one of the best recruiters I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Scott, are you there? <laughs> I am here. <laughs> I always and I, I, 
I think you guys told me at the retreat that since Scott and you have been working together in the last four years, your your total business has doubled. Is that right? It has. Mm-hmm. A lot of so that there, has been organic be growth, a, but but yeah. There could be a uh, strategy uh, if there's any single moms out there to go <laughs> marry a dentist, partner up with a dentist, <clears throat> an internet marketing investment guru dentist. Not Joey's a bad deal, huh? Volume. Yeah. So, Scott, uh, I, I'm curious your perspective. Um, what did you think of Shauna when you met her and – what did you think of her business? What was your first impression? I was, I was flabbergasted. I mean, here I was working as a full-time dentist and a marketing guy trying to get out of the chair. And at that time, I'd already gotten down to about three days a week, and my marketing company was growing. But when Shauna started sharing what was going on in her business, and I, I was just floored. I, I, I mean, my jaw... Absolutely. I'm sure I was sitting there with my mouth wide open, just like, are you kidding? But she had me in tears in the first two hours telling her story about, you know, some of the people that she's worked with and, and including her family and, and some other people. But I, I absolutely adored her from the very beginning. And, and I, I, I wasn't really sure if I could believe it, but, uh, how she how well she had built the business and she wasn't satisfied and so um when when she told me that you know she'd she'd like me to take the product of course i would and because i just wanted her to hire me (laughs) so i could get another day out of the chair and um you know as we started working together uh, the relationship ensued just uh started really looking at the business and how powerful uh, network marketing really was. And I've, I've always loved the model of network marketing. And as a dentist, I always got recruited. But uh, I've been in probably 10 different companies. Um, I think you were in one of mine once, weren't you? <laughs> I, I do believe I was. <laughs> a great product. I don't, I don't remember you doing anything, Scott. <laughs> I didn't. That's <laughs> uh, funny. So... Um, Here's a statistical question. I, you know, Shauna, you've been prolifically doing this for so many years. It's not a fair question. It might overwhelm people to hear the number, but how many people do you figure you have personally brought into the business in 14 years? About 500. So on average, let uh, me let me get my calculator. <laughs> it's not really that overwhelming. About 30 a year. Yeah. Something like that. Well, maybe 35 a year. That's an awesome pace, and, and to keep that up for 14 years is amazing. But, you know, when, when we talk about having a quarter of a million people on your team, 37,000 of them actually recruiters and promoters, um, that only happens from you duplicating yourself into other leaders. Geometric growth only happens from leadership. Mm-hmm. Every time somebody takes a stand, draws a line in the sand, 
and, and declares to themselves and anybody who will listen, whatever the company has right now is enough. Whatever the tools are is enough. Whatever the products are is enough. The compensation is enough. The training's enough. Everything's enough. I don't need anything else from this day forward. I'm going to go build this. And then they actually, they actually do it, which is a fascinating distinction the difference between saying you're going to do it and then actually doing it. So how we define those people in Bliss Business is leadership legs. And how we define a leader is you may still be partnered and supporting them, but you can say with great objectivity that if you retired, they would just keep on keeping on. They would keep building their business because they have their own internal self-motivation, their own commitment, their, their own vision. They have their own fire. They have their own reasons. They're self-sufficient, self-motivated, and productive. How many of those types of people? So different. You, th- these would actually be somewhere between moderate to huge organizations inside of your organization. Ones that I personally enrolled, are you talking about yes. mostly, or just also others that are just huge? Okay, about no, a dozen, just, about real close to that. About um, a dozen. And, yeah, that are, you know, if I walked away, I, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think they could, many- they could handle it. And how many do you figure you have in your, in your whole organization? Like, I don't know, maybe one way to judge this is how many on your team go to your national convention, you know, more than once? Wow. Um, my, several hundred. My, my guess is hmm, probably a thousand. Wow. Let's see. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's extraordinary. All right, so let's get into um, philosophy and uh, training and distinctions. So, Shauna, tell us, with all those people you've enrolled, and, I mean, you've had enormous success, but I know you've been doing this long enough to also have enormous heartbreak with people that don't make it, they either at this time in their life just don't have what it takes to stay motivated and to influence other people and or they just give up. I mean, most people end up giving up before they're successful, before they find the right people. You know, one of the awesome things about this business model is on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of what you bring to the party, you know, you are obviously a 10 at least by the time you joined Isogenics, you were a 10. But, you know, somebody could be a 2 or a 3, and if they stay in the game and they keep going through the motions and they keep doing the activities, a 2 or a 3 can sponsor a 7 or an 8. And a 7 or an 8 can sponsor a 10, and a 2 can sponsor a 10. So Mm -hmm. what have you seen about the difference between people who make it and people who don't make it 
And I'm not talking about superstars, you know. Somebody that's making $1,000 a month is making it. Right. I, so I what have I, you seen a, the difference between those people and the ones that don't, that wash out? I, I see that they actually do go to the events. They are there, you know, full on. They are listening, learning. They're hungry. You, they're hungry, and they're hungry for whatever it is. Sometimes it's not even money. It's, it's for hope. It's for freedom. And when I really see that spark in their eye, and I just want to tell them my story. Like, you can go from rags to riches. You can do this. And if they, if they see what happened to me, I, I always feel like, you know, how can I make them get it, that they have what it takes? And the, the other thing is that they're hungry for personal growth. Without that, I just really think that, they, that people slip through the cracks. They don't, they don't really believe that they have to do that. Um, maybe a 10 or a person that's maybe had, uh, you know, different kinds of growth in their life, they can come here and right away it can happen. But I want those people who maybe didn't even have a shot at it. What they don't, I, I love it. I love to watch those people catch the, the vision and, uh, and not give up. Because, and when you, because, when you say personal growth, what are some of the things that you have done that in, in your career that you consider to be pivotal personal growth activities? Well, for one thing, you know, read the books. I mean, I remember one of the books that really flipped me around was all those years ago was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When I read that and I marked that one spot in the book where you said about network marketing being something that the average person could do, you know, to change their life. I marked that up, showed all my clients. And then I read um, Who Moved My Cheese. And yeah. I remember just practically reading the whole book to everybody if I didn't have one to give them. And I, because it really helped me to visually see that, you know, the, the cheese had been moved, you know, like I needed to have freedom after all those years. It wasn't that I couldn't have got along with having a budget and living on it, I didn't know how to do that. But I wanted more, and I wanted to set an example for my kids that um, a woman could uh, rise up and, you know, really be an example for my kids to, to work hard and, and not just make it about more work, you know, have the freedom to travel and, and do the things to be able to help people. So, yeah, I just yeah, – I, I guess books, books – there, what other, besides what books, other books classes, or what other things? Well, from the time I first started network marketing, which is 19 years now altogether, all um, I went to all the events. I'm all, the major events that the company had and as many of the smaller ones as I could, but I went to the weekly meetings and have weekly, monthly, and then, of course, the two big events every year. And also um, things such as Landmark, I went to that, you know, personal growth type classes, things that I needed personally. It worked for my life. If I saw that, um, Scott, one of the things that made me fall in love with Scott was he was into personal growth. And I guess I needed it most of all. I was a young mom when I started. So I started really studying psychology and understanding what made people tick so that I could, you know, understand the, my clients. And Scott, I mean, he was into Tony Robbins all those years back. I should let him tell that part. But uh, the, he was in a Tony Robbins class for dentists. So when we started comparing books and stuff, it was, you know, CDs, tapes, you know, making your car a rolling university. I did it all the time when I was frustrated and I felt like my business wasn't growing. I'd pop a CD in there and drive around up there in the hill up in 
above Enumclaw and listen to a very powerful thing. I remember one thing, Richard, um, at one point uh, a network marketer that had been in, in uh, Amway all those years ago, he shared some uh, old VHS tapes with us from the old Amway days. I listened to those over and over, very inspirational and helped me to really believe in the, the profession, that this is a true profession. And just, you know, I wanted to share those things with people. But I think all of that put together, and then when you start talking to other network marketers of many different companies, also generic events, which is how I met you. I saw you in your MLM man thing, and, you know, it was just awesome. So I believe in really studying the industry, and it helps you grow personally. Beautiful. Scott, do you have anything you want to add to that? You know, uh, I I remember driving. I used to drive, uh, lived in North Houston, and I was listening to an hour and a half to work and an hour and a half back from work four days a week and listening to Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer and Leo Buscaglia and Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy, and I, I couldn't get enough. And, and I did that for three and a half years, for three and a half to four and a half days a week. And so to me, that was my education. I did also did some landmark education as well and, and uh, started reading the books. I couldn't get enough. I mean, it was the day I turned 30. And so, um, you know, for 25 years, I've continued to to just do what I can to become a better version tomorrow than I was today. And, and you know, we hear that. It's kind of cliche, but uh, I really do and it, want to learn more so that we can share it and, and, and teach it and, and be that for other people. Yeah. Well, you guys are ex- extraordinary, humble students, and which is remarkable for – you know, earning over a million dollars a year for you guys to be so humble and so hungry to learn more. Most people in your position are horribly arrogant. Now, one of the things that Scott Scott and I both enjoyed just this year was going to your retreat. It really has made a difference in our business and the way we view, you know, really get out of our own way. And there, there was a women's retreat and a men's retreat. Right, Scott? I loved it. We'll take that plug. What was what did you um, what did you experience there? Why did you go, and what did you experience there? Without talking specifically about what we did, big classified secret. <laughs> I, I went because Scott signed us up. <laughs> he's he's kind of a perpetual learner, so he signed us up and tell. But what we got out of it was. You know, I'm not going to tell the secrets, but it was, um, for me, it was very deep and helped me to really get the simplicity of this business because it is, it is pretty simple once you get out of your own way. Well, two things for me was that, you know, we, we, the results that we have in our life are really as a result of the choices that we've made. And so a lot of times... Uh, and, and I think all the time, really, it's just made up in our head. It's just we, we made up a story, and then we live by that story our whole lives trying to either, one, disprove that we are inadequate or, or, or to, to prove that we're inadequate, 
you know, we have events in our life. And, the, and, and also the, the second part of that was um, the power of listening to another level. And I think the term that you use is being present. And, mm-hmm. oh, man, uh, and, and not in a relationship and in communicating with another human being. I mean, you know, as a dentist, you really had to listen uh, to people. And, and so when you're really, truly present and, and listening to others and not making it an agenda about you, uh, that's something that's very difficult for me. Uh, and, I, and I think I learned that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes my listening is I can't wait to share what I have <laughs> you know, hurry up and shut up so I can share what I want to say. You know, I just I feel like it's really important that you hear this. And, you know, really they don't want to hear about it, so it becomes a train wreck. And so I've really learned to to listen and and I'm and I'm getting better. It's it's a it's a work in progress. But uh yeah. And also to be with other uh, like minded people who are there to grow from all different companies, different different levels that we're all, you know, really have a lot to, to learn and to give. Yeah, so listening audience for context, uh, these are five-day events that uh, Kimmy and I conduct with 10 to 12 network marketing and sometimes non-network marketing leaders, um, and they're held mostly in Carmel, California at a – very fascinating place. But one of the great benefits of these retreats is the relationships that you develop with people that you may have seen historically as your competitors because they're top distributors from lots of different companies. But after five days, you leave with a SWAT team of collaborators and, and coaches and champions. It's, uh, it's a family that lasts a lifetime of supporting each other and can you speak to that for a second well i just appreciate that you allow and enable people uh, and empower people to to communicate at that level because most of the time and not not always i'm sure you have non-network marketers that come as well but to be able to collaborate and maybe what's working for them in their business and sharing that it's a culture of sharing and so learning from what others are doing and also maybe even just sharing some of the things that you're doing to create success um it, it is a a sharing economy and so uh, that live event actually embodies that so yep. it helps us realize that the network marketing profession is here to stay it's it's not just one company it's it's the profession, and it's all about raising the level of the profession, just like yep. your hero call is about. So, Shauna, um, reflecting on 14 years, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made? I think parking on people that I see so much more in them, and I just know they could be good, and I know they could, you know, do this. And, in other words, wasting time with people who never will want it and won't get it and that's a you know there is only time so you know just just spending time with negative people I guess that's probably the worst mm-hmm. so in your 14 years uh, 
if you could like quantify your 14 years, uh, what percentage of it did you spend waiting on people who talked a good game but didn't didn't back it up with action or toxic people? What percentage of your time do you think you spent of the 14 years? Oh. I know that's a hard question. That's a hard question, but I will say too much, too much time. I've I've definitely had that problem of just believing in people. I get so excited. I see their their awesome qualities, and I just believe in them so much, and that's what I try to – that's kind of a – Thing in my personality that I see and if if they don't show up if they're not going to show up and at least try to grow I'm much quicker now to recognize that where I used to yep. just I used to you know really like wait 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 you know give them a book give them a tape and then <laughs> I don't do that anymore it's like you know what hey it's okay everybody doesn't have to love this profession like I do I get that so yeah and everybody's gestation time. period is different you know, some yes. people take yes. a couple of years to to figure it out and get their feet under them and get the confidence and get the traction going. It took me two and a half years, and I was full-time for two and a half years before I did anything significant. But I think the mistake that, that, that top leaders will all agree that we've all made is waiting on people. So it's not about abandoning people or or, you know, shuttling them if they're not in action. You know, we all have lots of people that are not in action, and what we want to do is create a warm, empowering place for them to go through their gestation period, however long it is. But mm-hmm. the mistake is when we waited for them, when we, weren't, when we weren't out looking for people who were ready to get in action, because we use that deathly hope strategy. You know, mm-hmm. I've got five people who say they're going to do it this month, and I hope they do, so I'm going to wait for them. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think if you could quantify that, Shauna, and let's say it was four years out of the 14, so, you know, 20% of your career you wasted waiting on people who weren't ready. You circled back around and back around and back around and you <laughs> weren't out developing new business. If you think about what that cost you, you said oh, yeah. earlier that your business has doubled in the last four years. Right. So if you lost four years in the last 14, if you had stayed engaged at the leading edge of bringing new people in and working with those people who were working, your business could be twice as big now. Yep. Yep. Quantifiable. What's the smartest thing you did in 14 years? I think uh, I have stayed in the game. I didn't, I mean, lots of things have come in and out of my life, um, you know, but I've stayed true to this profession and truly believe that I am an ambassador of it. And I think it's, it's proved to be, you know, it's, it's just changed my life, been able to, you know, change lots of people's lives. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, the you best have, thing you're... That could my, my kids are, you know, I was able to put my youngest son, son through college without a 
you know, without a, a, a loan like my daughter put herself through. And I actually had a son who had an addiction that was bigger than him, and I was able to put him in the best rehab. And he's, he's fantastic now. And now those are things that you cannot do without money. You know, you, right. you, you might be so busy that you might not notice being able to buy my mama a condo. She's 86 years old and loves her home. Those things, it's not about what money can buy, but, it's, but you can't do a lot of things without it. And now Scott and I are able to travel the world together and really be able to be an example to people to start to dream and hope. And I just think not quitting is the main reason. I didn't want mm-hmm. to ever give up. Yeah, I'll bet you had some real heartbreakers and some real big distractions in the last 14 years, you know. New, new companies that I love these new companies that start up and their entire marketing campaign is that they start off, we're going to be the fastest growing company in the history. And then after six months, they claim they're the fastest growing company in the history of the industry. And, and what I tell people that get distracted by that is, well, just wait a year and 95% of them won't even be in business. So, Yep. We'll deal with the 5% a year from now. I'm sure you've had lots and lots of distractions. Yeah, and I've had people that, you know, you go 90 miles an hour with them really fast. They're doing well, and, and they a shiny other business comes along. And, and, you know, you just stay the course. You don't let it – yeah, it's heartbreaking. You've put a lot of time in, but guess what? They were a door, and they opened the door to other people that then you can reach down and pull up. So it's not a loss. You know, you hate yeah. to see it. You want them to stay with you forever, but it doesn't happen all the time. You know, right. it just you just keep going. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest heartbreakers I've had in my career is people I've invested years um, of, you know, personal development and coaching and friendship. And, and you know, they find something that, that calls them harder mm-hmm. from a financial standpoint and so they go do that and but you know that's just life and and business hey yeah. scott um um along the lines of a, the four-year career you and shauna are more recent adopters of that concept and that book tell tell us how you're using it with your team now, what you've done with it, what it's done for you, what it does for people, and how you deploy it. So one of the things that I'm really excited about is we're working on a a professional edition, kind of a private edition professionals, where we're going to put all doctors in. And not to get too far off the subject, you know, one of the best things I think that I've been able to to realize in this profession and something that you embody and, and teach is the transparency and, and that tr- the truth is good enough. And so, you know, as a dentist, I had this identity wrapped around being a dentist and, you know, the status that goes around that. And, and uh, I've, I've been humbled, you know, in my career. And uh, it hasn't always been, you know, just uh, rosy and uh, looking through rose-colored glasses. So, uh, what I really appreciate is 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 dropping that, and I think that's a and being transparent and and really being real. And so, um, so 
I'd like to, to, to use the four-year career for that with professionals, and I want to have all docs you know, that, that you know, share the profession of network marketing and embody it. And so uh, that's something I'm very excited about doing a project. We've probably got uh, eight people now committed to doing that, and uh, my goal is to have ten. But what I love about the four-year careers is that it's so – it's just another – it's a tool to introduce to people that's not about your company. It's not about your products. It's really just sharing the idea of leverage. And, you know, if I'm a dentist and I can only use my hands eight to ten hours a day, and, you know, at the end of the week I'm working five days a week, I've, I've put in, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week, Gosh, I love the idea that network marketing. If I've got a hundred people putting in two hours, now I've got two hundred hours. So, and it, it, the book just lays that out so eloquently. So, we love sharing it and and giving it to to the team to to, to now share as well. And so, um, I love to I love that doc idea. That's a, that's yeah. an awesome idea. Yeah. That'll be I the first it. of its kind. Talk talk about leapfrogging, right? I mean, I've always loved your leapfrogging concept. Oh, 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 oh. Chicago, <laughs> you know somebody in Chicago. Ha! <laughs> you, you've been listening too much. I have. I love that. That's that yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to have you teach it next time, Scott. <laughs> All right. Well, we're winding down on the hour and true to form for the last eight or ten calls, the curveball. I throw at this is, uh, I don't know if you've thought about it, if you've listened to the last eight or ten calls, you know that the last question is, you get to ask me a question. So what would that be? How would you like to end the call with a question you asked me? Wow. Uh-huh. I'd like to know, if you just met me, what how, what would your first introduction be to if you wanted to talk to me about network marketing. Let's say we met on a plane. How would you do it? <laughs> How I would prospect you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's easy. Well. Uh, I would first connect. And the connection would be, uh, you know, maybe a comment about something you're reading Maybe a comment about something you're wearing. Maybe just eye contact and hello. Maybe my name's Richard. What's yours? Maybe uh, are you coming or going? And every question after that would be an intuitive question based on what you just told me or what you didn't tell me, or what I am intuiting you'd like to tell me. And I would ask those intuitive questions. No question is off limits when you follow your intuition. Every question is correct. There's no political correctness or incorrectness. I've asked people before how much money they make. I've asked people before how much debt they're in. I ask, I ask women all the time how old they are. 
And wow. if you follow your intuition, people answer the questions. So ask the yeah. questions. I would stay present. And, you know, Scott brought that up earlier. What does that mean? It's just a, it's just a, a quantum a deeper level of listening. It's listening with your entire body. And it's, you know, the way most people listen, and Scott eloquently uh, touched on it, is most people listen, and the way they listen is actually by having a conversation with themselves. So if I'm listening to you and you say something to me, most people listen through a filter of some or all of these filters, like one filter might be whether they agree with you or they disagree with you. And if they agree with you, it'll sound like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. And if they disagree with you, they'll be like, stupid. So, uh, or, you know, you know, maybe I'll ask you a question and you'll, because you're a talker, maybe you're a talker, you'll kind of go, on and on and on and you know if you're Scott the conversation you're going to be having with yourself if you're going if somebody's going on and on and on is I sure wish this person would hurry up and shut up so I could tell them what I have to say that's a form of listening and you know there's just there's eight or ten of them most people listen with a conversation I wouldn't do that I would be totally present which means I would quiet the voice and I would lose the judgments. And, you know, I like to say when you're totally present, somebody can tell you the most horrible thing, the most horrible thing that they maybe they've done that really violates every value you have, and you won't react because you're not in judgment. Or they would tell you something extraordinarily exciting and you wouldn't take the conversation away from them by even reacting, overreacting to that. You might like mm-hmm. positively comment, but being present is just really being with people and taking in everything they have to say. And that is a sanctuary. It's a spiritual sanctuary for people. And when you're present for people, what you'll find is they'll tell you their whole life story. Yep. So you'd be, pre- you'd be present, and I would be patient. You know, it's one of the, just one of the horrible, worst mistakes networkers make is they just have to, like, go for the kill right <laughs> away. I mean, most of them don't even ask any questions. They're like, oh, you know, they'll either ask a stupid question, like, do you keep your income option open? You know, if somebody <laughs> asked me that, I'd, I'd smack them with my elbow. It's such a <laughs> rude question. Uh, Don't ask, I wouldn't ask you any set up questions, not any scripted questions, just intuitive questions. I would be totally present. And somewhere in there, Shauna, you would serve yourself up on a silver platter. Right. (laughs) You You would tell me about something that pains you deeply, or you would tell me about something that you're so passionate about that 
you're not getting enough of that passion, you're not getting to do enough of what you're passionate about, or you're so tired of the pain mm-hmm. that how you would, you would just serve yourself up in that way where all I have to do is say something like, gosh, Shauna, I know how you could eliminate that or I know how you could get a whole bunch of that. And I very well might pull out a four-year career book and say, you know, I'm reading this book that's teaching me exactly how to do that. And then I might ask you, if there's one scripted question I might ask you in the whole thing is that it would be that question after I tell you about the book, if that were true, would you want to read about it? Or, I'm, or you know, if the conversation like went to weight loss or health or fitness, then I might introduce the products first. Mm-hmm. And... And you would you would be mine, Shauna. I mean, I'd have a I'd have a fourteen years from now I'd have a quarter million new people in my organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. It is the bliss way of an authentic invite, mm-hmm. and it works magic every time. It's counterintuitive. It's just about the opposite of of how 99.9% of all network marketers and salespeople go about developing a relationship, finding out who their client is and closing the sale. It's a process of opening people, not closing them. I love that. That's what I like to do too. I know you do it. All from being a hairdresser. (laughs) Got <laughs> all from being a dentist. Look at those amazing careers. You know, we have the three of us have three careers that we might have thought did not serve us well. Being a dentist, being a hair salon owner, and being a chicken cutter. And yet your careers served you extraordinarily well because they taught you to connect with people and listen. And mine didn't teach me anything about any of that. But the fact that I was a chicken cutter fascinates people. <laughs> That's a great story. It does. <laughs> I think that being a chicken cutter has made me more money than anything else I've ever done just because of this story. Hey, thank you too so much for uh, making an extraordinary hero call. You two are just a beautiful, heartfelt, spiritual, highly ethical extraordinary leaders and I know you're going to be on the world stage more and more and more speaking to people from all companies and serving people from all companies beautiful people and I'm uh, uh, Kimmy and I are honored to call you our friends thank you so much thank you Richard we We, feel the same same. thank you so much thank you everybody that wraps up this hero call Have a fantastic. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. 
pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.